0: Welcome back. We're glad to see you here in the Deathshifter Den with us again. We'll be five episodes in after this one, which is pretty close to the halfway point of season one. What are your guys' thoughts on the season so far?
1: The story has definitely been pretty crazy, but in a good way. I'm excited to see where our heroes end up by this season's end.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too.
2: The way the story's been building up so far, it's been great. And we've already recorded further ahead, so we know some of the fun things that are coming.
3: Personally, I've enjoyed finding out about our villains. A couple of them were obvious when they got introduced. Relationship building and missions the heroes go on have been pretty awesome.
4: I've said it before, but getting to read the episodes and lines that the guys write has been a blast. I don't want to get in trouble again, but Callie and the others will have some interesting things revealed as their backstories unravel. Hey, good job not actually giving anything away this time. I have to agree with that, though. Some of the things we find out about the characters make me want more. Hopefully we can get some more prequel episodes, like the bonus Orcs Giving one.
0: We have a lot more to come with Deathshifter. I really want to continue the story forward while revealing more of the different characters' past, while also eventually uncovering the hidden truth behind Fey Day and maybe even talking about the Ancients of Ancients more. It just depends on how people like the show and if it's worth it for us to continue.
4: It's been a lot of fun recording and listening to the finished episodes, so if any of you out there listening enjoy Deathshifter, help us out by spreading the word to your friends.
3: Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post consistently on our social media and are looking forward to continued interactions with our fans.
2: And if you really like the show and want more, then check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash You'll gain access to our exclusive Discord channel for our fans to interact, exclusive sneak peeks to episodes before
1: they release, bonus episodes, and much more. The Death Shifter team is committed to you, so after the holidays, we're going to start releasing weekly. You'll get the bi-weekly Death Shifter story episodes, but we'll also be releasing a different type of episode in the opposite weeks. One where the Death Shifter team will sit down together and discuss random deaths that have happened throughout human history. We're really excited about
0: doing the additional episodes to give all of you more content. We appreciate all of the support from the fans, and just because we're talking about Season 1 coming to an end doesn't mean it's over. There will be a Season 2, and hopefully more after that.
4: There's the sound for the fucking mail. Let's go see what questions we have this time.
0: Alright, first up is Jive Snowens 8642 asking, Is it hard to write the episodes with so many characters having lines?
2: Well, Dakota has the process down and makes it easy for us. Whenever he finishes a script for an episode, he sends it to all of us and we go through it either alone first or do a
3: read-through together and put them in. Doing the read-throughs while putting our lines in has been great. I can second that. We've had some good times goofing off during the initial read-throughs. I think it helps when the actual recording sessions come along, too. So to answer your question, it hasn't really been hard for any of us with all the character lines.
4: You guys just love hearing yourselves talk, huh? The next question comes from PuppetMeister underscore 54. How long is Death Shifter going to go on for?
1: Well, that's pretty ironic since we kind of just talked about it. We want it to go on for a while, we have a lot of content, and pretty much endless amounts of options with what we can do with our world and characters.
4: And a lot of hidden places and secrets about our characters that still need to be revealed. Our last question comes from Psychedelic PsychedelicFarmant009. What's DG smoking? I want some.
0: You'll find out, I believe in episode 6. But I mean, come on guy, use your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes our death guide. He's gonna say another quick thing before the episode. As soon as you stop tipping me,
5: I'm done with this shit. Stay frosty, bitches. Let's start the show.
4: Episode five, red wine and smooth gyrations. Steve, the saber-toothed tiger, leads Clay and his friends out of the underworld. They climb some rocks and stand in front of another tube station. Steve stops and points towards the cylinder chamber sitting on the track.
6: This is the east tube station.
5: You arrived from the west station. They're the only ways in and out of the underworld. You already know that the west goes to winter's dawn. The east will take you to the city of Iroh.
4: Herman gasps.
5: (gasps) No way! We're
2: actually going to go see the dwarfs' hidden
5: city?
4: Steve nods his head while approaching the tube.
5: The iron dwarfs of Iroh are expecting you. When you arrive, let whoever is watching the door know that Seth sent you to see Shannon. She'll help you get back to Vlad. Without her, the journey back to Unity Stream will be a long one.
4: Clay turns and looks at his friends.
5: Is that the name of
7: our great city?
4: Barry nods their head.
7: Yep, that was one of the first things Vlad did when he took office. The old name is just embarrassing. Honestly, not even worth mentioning.
4: Callie walks past him towards the tube. Yeah, this name actually makes sense and has a much better ring to it. Herman smiles while standing next to her.
2: I'm proud to live there because of what it stands for.
4: Wesley puts his arm around Clay while walking over to the chamber.
8: Our city is a collective dream that we all share, the same one we're trying to achieve with blood.
4: Clay grins while looking back at Steve.
0: A collective dream, huh? Unity's dream makes sense then. I'm happy to live there and be a
5: part of it.
4: Steve waves to them while they open the door to the cylinder chamber.
5: I know it can be frustrating dealing with Vlad, but be patient and trust him.
7: Here's the reason for that collective dream you now share with millions of others.
4: They wave back to Steve while Barry closes the door.
7: Vlad's made a lot of progressive decisions on policy since taking office. He's the vamp.
4: Callie agrees. This city used to be a trash can inside of a massive dumpster fire. Wesley looks to Herman.
8: Seriously, though, when Mayor Havanchu was in office, things were a little different. Orcs, dragons, goblins, and even elves had to get workers' permits just to step foot into the city.
4: Herman shakes his head.
8: Before Vlad took over, it was a hellhole. Trying to find work was impossible, especially
2: for an orc scientist.
4: Electricity forms around the track, causing the cylinder chamber to shoot through the tube. Clay looks to Wesley, Herman, and Callie.
0: I'm sorry the three of you had to go through that. Hearing about it makes me appreciate Vlad more now. Even though he is mischievous, he is good in what our world needs in a leader. We have to do what we can to help him with the mission he's on.
4: The friends nod their heads while looking out the transparent windows. The sediment outside of the tube starts to turn into different metals. They spin around a loop before stopping in a cavern filled with endless amounts of iron. As they exit the cylinder chamber, two dwarves with mustaches and beards approach them. One of them steps forward wearing a pointy orange hat. He bows to the friends.
8: Steve informed us of your arrival. You're here to see Shannon, right?
4: Wesley kneels to shake the dwarf's hand.
8: We are. She is supposed to take us back to Unity's dream. I'm Wesley, and these are my friends.
4: The second dwarf with short brown hair turns and walks towards a giant silver door.
0: We are aware of who you are. Your friends are Callie, Barry, Herman, and Clay. I am Frederick, and this is my brother, Marshall. We are loyal guards of our great King Zion.
4: Clay follows behind Frederick.
0: King Zion? Why does that name sound familiar?
4: Herman pats Clay on the back.
0: Everyone was taught about the great King Zion while in second grade.
4: Marshall joins his brother at the door.
8: King Zion has been around for thousands of years, leading our people and keeping us hidden from the rest of the world.
4: Callie scoffs. Oh, I've met the great King Zion. We go way back, and if I remember right, he wasn't as big of a douche nozzle as the rest of the shitbags that like to call themselves kings. Barry laughs.
7: (laughs) Good one, Callie. I prefer history from your perspective.
4: Wesley walks closer to the door as it starts to slowly open.
8: Not gonna lie, but Callie's stories about her experiences in her long-ass life are interesting, except for the ones that no one wants to hear.
4: Callie snickers while nudging one of the dwarves. Look at him! This little perv wants to know all the nice, moist deets. Marshall quickly scurries over to his brother while the door finishes opening. They stand in front of the five friends, looking out into the gargantuan dwarf-made cavern. Clay's eyes glimmer while he stares into the city.
0: Everything is made of iron.
4: Frederick smiles wide while walking down the path.
6: Iron is everything for us. We can live off of it alone if we really need to.
4: Marshall nods his head to the friends while mouthing that they couldn't. He turns back to his brother.
8: That's why our great city is called Iroh. King Zion named it long ago after carving this cavern out with nothing but a hammer, chisel, and help from other elder iron dwarfs.
4: Herman runs behind the dwarves grinning.
2: Besides the elves, the iron dwarfs are the longest living civilization. We can learn so much from them and their history.
4: The dwarves get excited and continue talking to Herman while Clay, Wesley, Barry, and Callie follow behind. They walk past the towering iron buildings and get to a small dome-shaped one in the center of the city. Marshall and Frederick kneel while the dome starts to rotate, causing the top to open. It keeps rotating and a staircase forms on the side of it. Marshall and Frederick stand back up and hold their hands out for Clay and his friends to go. They climb the stairs and enter into the top of the dome. It rotates again, causing it to close behind them. A dwarf with long pink hair stands smiling at them.
2: Hey there, I'm Shannon, the gatekeeper to Iroh. No one enters or leaves without me letting it happen.
4: She turns and shows them a computer console with a screen above it. They watch as Marshall and Frederick open the door to the tube station before returning to their posts. Leigh reaches his hand out to shake hers.
0: It's nice to meet you, Shannon. I'm assuming you already know the five of us, too.
4: She nods her head while leading them down a ramp to a tunnel with a track on it.
2: My father, King
0: Zion, told
2: me everything Seth and Steve told him. The Iron Dwarfs are always communicating, especially when there are guests from the surface in Iroh.
4: Wesley scoffs.
8: (laughs) Great. More races that hate us surfy bros.
4: Shannon laughs while walking over to a podium with a screen on it.
2: We heard what you did with the Aquafarians and Mermazons. It's been the talk of Iroh. Iron dwarfs don't hate you, surface dwellers.
4: Her laugh fades away as she swipes the screen, activating the track.
6: <coughs>
4: Shannon turns and looks at them, concerned.
2: We left the surface long ago because of the greed and corruption that filled the air. After magic vanished, everything changed. A siren dwarf saw it happening and left before it got bad. We heard the different screams coming from outside of our mountain... King Zion ordered us to stay inside and protect our own. After it was over, the surface was a wasteland of creatures and races that couldn't survive.
4: Barry walks over to her.
7: That's why our mission for Vlad is so important. He wants to unite the races the way they always should have been.
4: Shannon scoffs.
2: It isn't enough. I visited the surface years ago while my brother attended the University of Dreams. I read some history books he was bringing back to his dorm, and they leave the actual history out of them. Someone omitted the truth for a reason.
4: Callie stands behind Barry. Who the fuck would commit such atrocities? Shannon shrugs her shoulders as a light forms in the darkness of the tunnel.
2: I don't know, but they clearly didn't want you to know about the all-out war that occurred the days after the Fae and magic disappeared. Our world was destroyed before those who survived were able to rebuild it.
4: Herman moves closer and looks down the tunnel at the light getting brighter as it approaches them.
2: Yeah, they mention an aftermath of Fae Day, but it never goes into detail.
4: Shannon takes a step back, while an underground train with a drill at the front comes out of the tunnel. It stops in front of them, and a door opens.
2: My people called it the Warring Aftermath. A lot of the ancients or endangered species that were alive during the time have trouble remembering what happened. Because of that, King Zion ordered the Iron Dwarfs to stay in Iroh. No one was allowed to leave without a permit from the king himself. To this day, only one Iron Dwarf has accepted a permit to leave and study on the surface.
4: Clay walks onto the train and looks back at her.
0: Your brother that you spoke of. How long has he been on the surface?
4: Shannon follows behind the friends and shuts the door behind her.
2: He's been up there for 200 years on Saturday. Far too long for him to be able to return to Iroh. Father wouldn't allow it. He says that others that witnessed the warring aftermath lost their memories for being on the surface for too long. He believes the same thing would happen to us if we left the underground to make a home back up there.
4: Callie laughs. That makes no fucking sense. None of us have any memory issues. Well, nobody except for Clay. Shannon smiles back at her.
2: Trust me, I've tried convincing my father, but he's very stubborn and stuck in his Iron Dwarf ways now, and none of you would have any issues with the memory thing because you weren't alive during the events that took place.
4: Clay chuckles with Callie while watching Shannon walk over to another podium at the front of the train. She swipes her hand across it,
0: <laughs>
4: causing them to start moving down the track.
0: Vlad knew we would have to come through Iro to get back to Unity's dream. Maybe he wanted us to speak to your father?
4: Shannon sits down in front of the podium and watches out the window as the train speeds up.
0: It's possible,
2: but Vlad isn't as welcomed here as he once was. Zion and his friendship diminished over the years when our king started to focus on his people instead of helping Vlad. They grew apart until a couple of years ago when Seth and Steve discovered us living close to them in the underworld.
4: Herman stands while holding onto the railing above them.
2: That is very interesting. I wonder what Vlad is planning.
4: Callie sits down next to him while looking over at Clay. Maybe we should go talk to the big boss man himself and get this all sorted out. Barry agrees while looking up at Shannon.
7: Yeah, maybe he'll finally start being transparent and honest with us. Speaking of Shannon, uh, where are you taking us?
4: Shannon stands to her feet and swipes the screen on the podium again. The train starts to slow down until finally stopping in front of a porto potty
2: My father doesn't know, but I have been in contact with Vlad. I don't agree with the laws he's made. I believe that the Iron Dwarfs can contribute to society on the surface while learning so much more.
4: Before the friends can reply to her, the door to the porta potty swings open and Vlad walks out.
5: Ah, if it isn't my five favorite people in the world right now.
4: Clay smirks while walking off the train.
5: You have a lot of explaining to do, Vlad.
4: Herman follows behind Clay and tosses Vlad the half of the book they retrieved from Seth.
2: You know, it would have been much easier if you just would have told us everything
7: up front.
4: Barry flies off the train and floats above them.
7: Come on, guys. I'm sure Mayor Spoon Pants probably had a good reason for not telling us the full story. We sure would appreciate getting it now, though, Vlad.
4: Callie, irritated, follows and stands behind Clay. He owes us a hell of a lot more than an explanation. Maybe a nice fat bowl with a heaping side of a stiff drink. I'll take the luminescent Lemon Drop, please. Might actually get a good night's sleep. Vlad laughs while sticking his hands out to the porta potty.
5: Ah, ah, I already have it waiting for you back in my brick mansion. Step through the portal potty and relax while I explain everything. And worry not, Kelly. You will be ready to sleep when you leave tonight.
4: Shannon steps forward with a grin on her face.
2: I'm coming too. My father's going to be really upset, so let's avoid that conversation for as long as we can. Plus, it's been a while since I visited my brother. Maybe I'll surprise him at the tournament he keeps messaging me about.
4: Wesley laughs while he and his friends follow behind her through the portal potty.
8: You think she means the Reign of Fire tournament?
4: Callie snickers before stopping and looking at the others. She has to be talking about Plop or Glop or whatever the fuck his name is. They walk inside and Vlad closes the door. <laughs> the light flashes bright, blinding them before dissipating and spinning them out of the portal potty into Vlad's basement. Clay walks out to a painting of Iroh hanging above the portal potty.
0: So where do the other portals take you? There were twenty that got delivered to you, and we know that one leads to the science lab, one to your castle mansion, another to Breitbark, and now one that goes to Iroh.
4: Vlad laughs while walking up the stairs out of the basement.
5: (laughs) Ha ha, there is one that leads to Winter's Dawn now, too. Thanks to the five of you, Iris convinced the Aquafarians to open their waters to us surface dwellers. They allowed me to place one down in the tunnel Troy took you through to get to the celebration hall.
4: The others follow him up the stairs and down the hall to the living room. A glass-like cylinder sits on the floor in front of the couch with seven hoses sticking out of it. Goulard Butler walks over and places a heated metal panel over the top. He then sprinkles an orange herb over it. He bows to Vlad before exiting the room. Callie runs forward and sits on the couch before grabbing one of the hoses. She takes a big puff before coughing and looking at her friends. (coughs) (coughs) Oh yeah, that's (coughs) much better. Well, are you just going to let little me entertain myself? Why don't you have a seat? I don't bite. Hard. Clay smiles while sitting down and grabbing another hose. He takes a puff and coughs.
0: coughs. Holy shit. That stuff is strong. What is it?
4: Herman joins them.
0: It's an elixir that gets frozen before being crushed
2: up. The best way of ingesting it is by smoking. It's called trinif.
4: Wesley, Barry, Shannon, and Vlad sit down and grab their remaining hoses. Wesley takes a puff.
8: Ooh, man, it's been a long time since I got to enjoy some trinif. Get ready to feel like jello, Clay.
4: Barry starts to laugh while blowing out smoke.
7: (laughs) Vlad said there'd be booze, too. Let's wet our noodles with some alky.
4: Callie smirks while patting them on the back. There's the berry I know and love so much. Vlad yells out to Goulard Butler.
7: Goulard,
5: bring in the good bottles of wine and another hose. Then take the rest of the night off and join us.
4: A couple of seconds pass by before Goulard walks around the corner holding a crate. He brings it over to the seven sitting in a circle, smoking the trenith. Goulard reaches into the crate and pulls out a bottle of wine for each of them. He then takes the extra hose and connects it to the glass cylinder. A smile forms on his face as he leans back, taking a hit. (sighs) Oh, now that's the stuff. Thank you, Vlad. (sighs) Vlad chuckles while opening the bottles of wine and passing them out.
5: <laughs> I should be the one thanking you, Goulard. Plus, there's no better time than right now to finally open these. I've had them since visiting Bright Park for the first time long ago. The halflings had just made this kind for the first time. They called it half blood, half love. And no, it's just a name. There is no blood within this vine.
4: The eight sitting around the burning Trinif raise their open bottles of wine and clink them together before taking a sip. Callie's eyes open wine. Holy fuck. This is by far the best wine I have ever had. And I have had a lot of wine in my long life. Vlad nods while taking another drink.
5: Unfortunately, the halflings and I got too drunk the first time they made it, and they lost the original recipe. It's never been the same since that first
7: batch.
4: Barry takes another sip before taking a puff from the hose.
7: Hot damn. Busted out the good stuff for this occasion, eh? This
8: must be one doozy of a story.
4: Wesley nods his head.
8: I'm not much of a wine drinker, but this is definitely better than the stuff they gave me when I was partying with them.
4: Vlad laughs while smoking.
5: That's because the halflings don't like to share the good stuff, unless you're
8: a good friend. It's just how they are.
4: Wesley scoffs.
8: (laughs) I'll be a good friend then. I want to taste the good stuff.
4: Kelly punches him on the arm. Be sure to share the love if you manage to get some. (laughs) They all laugh as Vlad finishes drinking his bottle of wine. He takes another puff of the trinif before standing and looking down at the others.
5: Please, continue to enjoy yourselves. But I brought you back here to explain the mission I was sent on a very long time ago.
4: The friends lean back with Goulard and Shannon while drinking from their bottles and smoking the trinif. Vlad begins his story.
5: I was a normal human like you, Clay, but I was very close with a female imp that had been turned into a vampire. Her name? Camilla. Years passed by as she adjusted to her new life. I was by her side, helping with everything that I could. Until one day, about fifty years before Fede, we were attacked and ambushed by the rest of her people. They did not accept her as a vampire and wanted her dead. We fought most of them off, but her mother used a poison-tipped blade and stabbed her in the gut. The imps use their magic and vanish to another dimension. No one talks about them, but they've never been seen since the day that Camilla was taken from me.
4: Herman finishes his bottle of wine and takes a puff from his hose.
2: Ooh, no one has any information about your life before the Mafia. This is interesting.
4: Shannon finishes her wine while looking at Herman.
2: My father knew what happened. It was one of the reasons why he and Vlad were so close. My mother was murdered by a horde of imps trying to break into our castle when we lived on the
5: surface. Vlad puts his head down. No, your mother being killed by those imps broke your father. He was a changed dwarf after that, even before Fadey happened.
4: Shannon nods.
6: You
5: know the feeling, Vlad. I'll let you tell the story.
4: He smiles while looking back down at the group.
5: Yes, as Camilla struggled to stay alive, she told me her dying wishes. She wanted me to carry on the legacy she and I started while adding more children to our family. Then she said that she wanted me to use the powers she was going to give me for nothing but good. Her last breath was to tell me to unite the races and bring the world together. Somehow, she knew that something catastrophic was going to happen. She then bit my neck and gave me the vampire power that I still have today. I've done as best as I could by her, but along the way, I had to do bad things. I hope she can forgive me.
7: Barry starts to cry. <laughs> That's an even better love story than Bylight. I should never have blamed my parents for their disappearance.
4: Vlad kneels and grabs their hand.
7: I know you met
5: Phil and Lacey while visiting the underworld. They gave me some information that was never revealed long ago. Barry, the hooded creatures that ambushed Kelly and your parents that day,
7: they were imps.
4: They stare back at him, confused.
7: But how do you know? You said they were never seen again after taking your love.
4: He nods his head while standing back
5: up. It still stands true today. There are no known imps living anywhere in our world. The allegiance of eyes have been searching for them for thousands of years. This new information tells us that they returned from whatever messed up dimension they left to. They're hiding in plain sight, and we can't see them.
4: Goulard sits forward while looking up at him. Sir... You're going off topic from your story. We can discuss this later with Barry and their friends when we aren't enjoying ourselves. Barry wipes the tears from their face, then chugs the rest of their wine.
3: Oof, keep it together, Bear Bear.
7: I can get through tonight without unpackaging this. Callie rubs her hand on Barry's back.
4: Oh wow, I'm really sorry. I never realized they were imps. I'll do whatever I can to help. Barry leans over and hugs Callie, before smiling and looking at Clay.
7: You were right, Clay. Can we make the time to find my parents in our new adventurous life? Clay leans over and gives them a hug.
0: You don't have to ask, Barry. I know everyone here wants to help you figure this out. Plus, it seems like you and your parents have a connection with all of this now.
4: Everyone nods in agreement, before looking back up at Vlad. He walks over to the glass cylinder and takes another puff of the trinith.
5: After Camilla gave me the vampire powers, I wandered the world. Normally, when vampires turn others, they act as their guide till they're able to control this new gift of theirs. Since my guide was gone, I had no one and was left on my own. Years passed by before I was able to control myself. I finally regained the higher consciousness that I had before turning. Fede had already happened, but I couldn't remember anything after Camilla died. I went back home to our two children. They thought I was lost to the world after finding out what had happened. They took me back in and decided that they wanted to become vampires. They wanted
8: to honor their mother.
4: Wesley interrupts him.
8: Um, I'm sorry for jumping in, but uh Veronica and Vince?
4: Vlad shakes his head.
8: No, I have two children
5: that share my blood and thousands that I turned into vampires. Veronica and Vince were siblings before I found them close to death. Their real parents abandoned them like the countless others I have turned. My blood children are Sylvester and Carolyn. Camilla insisted, for some godless reason, that they not have names that begin with a V. Anyways, after turning the two of them into vampires, I acted as their guide, teaching them how to control it. They caught on much faster than I did, and in a matter of months they were fully functioning vamps.
4: Herman smirks while leaning back on the couch.
5: It's crazy that scientists
2: are still baffled by the vampire turning process.
4: Shannon jumps to her feet.
2: Everyone's bodies are slightly different, and can react neurotically to the venom that the vampires secrete into their own bloodstream. Our father had to study it when he and Vlad were good friends. Vlad couldn't handle the venom without a guide. His blood mixed with it caused him to act like a monster who couldn't remember anything. After years of the two fusing together, it finally calmed down and allowed him to control the power which is essentially a special venom that was said to be developed by a mysterious scientist millions of years ago.
4: Goulard Butler stands and starts to stretch. An ancient of ancients is all the mysterious scientist has ever been known as. Eventually, the stories were lost and became a myth. But Vlad can tell you firsthand that it's true. They say that once you are turned into a vamp, you get visions and memories that aren't yours. If you think about it, Every creature that has been turned into a vampire has that same venom running through them that the Ancient of Ancients created. Clay rubs his arms and legs.
0: Damn, Goulard. You just gave me the chilly
5: Willies.
4: Vlad sits down on the chair behind him.
5: Ah, yes. I get the Chili Willies while talking about the history of our planet, too. There are many truths that have stayed
8: hidden.
4: Wesley laughs.
8: So, what happened after Sylvester and Carolyn became vampires like you?
4: Vlad takes a deep breath.
5: (laughs) We tried to find the imps that killed Camilla. We searched for years doing whatever we needed to get answers. None were found. Eventually, we stopped trying and started to focus on Camilla's final wishes. We wanted to try to reunite the races and bring our world together. But it wasn't as easy as we thought it was going to be. Years passed by with the different races hating each other looking back on it. It was too soon after the boring aftermath occurred. I was foolish and didn't listen to my children. We grew tired of each other's presences and decided to part ways while continuing our mission separately. I'm glad we did, because eventually after months of not talking, Carolyn reached out to me from the Irondorfs' castle. She has spoken with their king, Zion, and he requested to meet me.
4: Shannon sits back down while smiling wide.
5: I
2: love hearing about our father when he was younger. He wasn't nearly as grumpy
8: or-
4: A voice from the hall interrupts her.
8: Or what, daughter? If I wasn't as stubborn as I am, then Ira would be lost to these scurvy dogs.
4: Vlad jumps to his feet and slowly walks towards King Zion.
8: How dare you show up to my place uninvited?
4: King Zion approaches and his serious look turns into a smile.
8: I infuse me iron into this brick shithole. It is as much mine as it is yours.
4: The two erupt into laughter while wrapping their arms around one another for a hug. Vlad steps away, smiling.
5: <laughs> it's so good to see you, my good friend. I wasn't sure you'd show up after
8: not replying to my hundreds of messages.
4: Zion punches him on the arm before looking to Shannon.
8: Oh, you know I like to play hard to get when it comes to you. Gotta make myself seem like you actually need me. And for you, Shan, just tell me you want to leave and it's fine. She
4: smirks back at him.
2: I
8: know but I had
2: to make it seem like we were sure about them.
8: We can trust them.
4: King Zion walks over to the couch and squishes himself in between Clay and Herman.
8: You're the best judge of character in Iroh, honey. So Clay, Herman, Wesley, Barry, and Callie, the five of you really made a name for yourselves the past couple of days. Surfy bros who saved King Paul Sidon from his mischievous brother, and then defeating that same brother in the underworld, where it's hard for us to even get access to visit. And then finally traveling through our great hidden city of Iroh. Oh, and let's not forget the halflings talking like a dragon and partying with them. Everyone is calling you the Valiant Five.
4: Wesley blushes while looking at him.
8: You heard about me partying with the halflings? How has all of this gone around in just a couple of days?
4: Vlad laughs while sitting back down.
8: <laughs> I'm sure you are aware of me being ranked number one in the Ive Legions.
5: Information travels best if we wanted to.
4: King Zion scoffs while leaning forward and grabbing the hose from Wesley. He takes a puff and blows it out toward Vlad.
8: Ye ass would be number two if I had more time. Let's hear the rest of this story. You just got to the good part where you and I meet again.
4: Vlad finishes taking his puff before blowing it back at Zion.
8: Yeah,
5: yeah, you always say this. Oh, if I spent as much time as you on it, then I would be ranked number one, too. If I wasn't the king of Iroh, I'd be ranked higher than twenty-five.
4: Zion laughs while imitating Vlad.
3: Yo, <laughs> look at me, I'm a vampire.
4: very grins while watching the two.
3: Incredible, the oldest people I've ever met are absolute children.
4: Callie pats them on the back. You have no idea. Everyone acts like a five-year-old sometimes, no matter how old they are. Clay looks around to his friends while taking a puff of the trinnif.
0: Alright, let Vlad continue his story. What happened when you went to meet your daughter,
5: Carolyn, in King Zion?
4: They all sit back in their seats while looking at Vlad. He stands from his chair and smiles at them.
5: My first true friend in the new world without magic was found. We had already known each other before everything that had happened, but after the boring aftermath, he and his people went into hiding. As Shannon explained before, King Zion offered me a partnership to build a sanctuary for the ancient races and creatures that could no longer survive on the surface. It was the perfect way for me to start unifying the world. We started at those that were in need and showed them the affection and safety they craved after losing everything. Zion introduced me to Seth and Steve, and the four of us began construction while recruiting others to join our cause. We excavated for months with the iron tools and machines Ian provided. Eventually, we were able to build.
4: Shannon sits forward.
2: All
5: of the ancients and endangered
2: species came to help. In close to a year, we were able to build the entire underworld. Vlad's mission had officially begun.
4: Vlad smiles while sitting back down.
5: The day when we finished the underworld put it all into perspective for me. It also showed me that we were not done. We needed to do the same on the surface. Seth had the brilliant idea of forming the Allegiance of Ice to send observers around the world to obtain information. We would then use that knowledge to pinpoint where I would need to go to recruit more to our cause. It continued to grow by giving us the
8: opportunity to one
5: day unite everyone on the surface with those below it. Zion scoffs.
8: Then that damn sea dog Tevin found his way to the underworld and started to feed lies to those that would listen. But the Valiant Five was there to stop him and end his treachery.
4: Shannon giggles.
8: (laughs) Father, it's Vlad's story.
2: Don't take away his glory.
4: Vlad laughs while continuing.
5: (laughs) As the races on the surface started to reshape the world, we sat below, watching their every move and waiting for our time to intervene. Eventually, we found a way for me to get involved with the Mafia. At the time, they ran everything on the surface. I started from the bottom and gained their trust. As I said before, I had to do a couple of bad things to get things in motion. But we wouldn't be here today if I had not.
4: Callie looks over at Wesley before turning back to Vlad. <laughs> Something tells me he had to whack someone off to get where he is today. Wesley snickers.
8: Be careful, Callie. He might whack you off, too.
4: Clay can't hold it in and laughs with them.
0: <laughs> Damn it, guys. No one is getting whacked off by Vlad right now.
4: Barry face palms while shaking their head.
7: I am surrounded by children.
4: Vlad takes a couple of seconds before erupting into laughter.
7: <laughs> oh,
5: I see what you did there. That's funny. But I don't want to get into the things I had to do. We'll leave that for a time after we complete our mission. I eventually got to the top of the mafia and became their leader. I had to act tough and play the part until I had the opening to change how we worked. If you run into the mafia nowadays, they are the first to help anyone in need, even willing to give money to struggling individuals. They make me proud how much they've changed. After doing that, I was elected as mayor and changed our city's name from New Cityton to Unity's Dream. Clearly, whoever had made the name before me had no creativity or imagination.
4: Clay stands and hangs the hose on the glass cylinder.
5: What about everything else? Why did you
0: send us down to Winter's Dawn when we didn't need to go there?
4: Vlad walks over and puts his arm around
5: him. Ah, but you did need to go there, didn't you? Seeing such a place yourself is a great experience alone, but while being there, you influenced the thousands of Aquafarians that saw you and heard about what you did. You got Poseidon to lift the surface better than, and you became their friends. They trusted you enough to let you into the Underworld, and you became the Valiant Five. If I had told you the reason for sending you there, things would have ended differently. Plus, I wanted to see how you would react to the unknown being thrown at you.
4: Zion gets off the couch and walks over to his daughter.
8: Aye, you're never going to change, Vlad. But that's a good thing. Come on, daughter, let's get back to Iroh.
4: Shannon stands and looks at the friends.
8: I'm not
2: ready to go back. Klopp has been sending messages, father. He wants us to watch him play in the Reign of Fire tournament on Saturday.
4: King Zion looks over at Vlad.
5: That ridiculous game that everyone gathers at your castle for, right?
4: Vlad nods his head.
5: It is truly ridiculous, but it's more than a game to a lot of the
8: participants.
4: Zion smiles while reaching for Shannon's hand.
8: I save a seat next to you and we'll be there.
4: Shannon jumps in excitement while taking her father's hand and following down the hall to the basement. Vlad turns back to the friends.
8: I'm afraid I must
5: be honest with you all. My lies and deception will continue through our time working together. But as the others you've spoken will have told you, it's my way of doing things. My perception has kept me strong and allowed me to continue the life I've chosen. I won't quit until my mission is fulfilled. I have to keep going. For Camilla.
4: Clay pats him on the back while looking out to his friends.
5: We trust that you will tell us what
0: we need to know to help, but Vlad... This isn't just your mission anymore. It's all of ours, and all of the others that have been helping you along the way. I know you think it's still your burden, but we're all here for you.
4: Herman stands behind Clay.
0: That's right. We've put all of our blood, sweat, and tears into this
2: cause.
4: Callie runs and jumps onto Herman's back. Maybe you should lie to us a little less. Take me back home, Herm. Barry laughs while flying above them.
7: Goddamn! Is Callie too fucked up to walk? This is definitely
8: time for bed.
4: Wesley walks over and tries to pry Callie off of Herman's back with Barry.
8: We're going to get her back home. It's getting late anyways. Can we take the portal potty number one to get us back to the castle?
4: Vlad nervously laughs while pointing to an empty room.
8: I
5: hope you don't mind, but because of how much we'll be working together, I figured it would be a good idea to have a portal that leads back to your house in Unity's dream.
4: Callie mumbles while Herman gives her a piggyback ride. (laughs) Sounds good to me faster I can punch my pillow with my face, the better. Clay shrugs his shoulders while looking to everyone else.
0: I guess now's a good time to finally see where the four of you live.
4: Wesley walks forward with Barry.
8: I'm way too tired to even be mad. Vlad, thanks.
4: Barry agrees.
8: Portal to our house from a vampire's house would have seemed weird last week.
4: Herman smiles at Vlad while carrying Callie into the room.
2: I think it's pretty cool. Travel will be super
0: convenient whenever we need to see you now.
4: The friends stand in front of the portal potty with the number three on it. Clay turns back to Vlad.
0: I appreciate what you're doing, Vlad. We're all in with you.
5: Just let us know when you want us back.
4: He tosses him five small gold bracelets with a green gem on the tops of them.
5: When the green gem flashes, it's me requesting you to come here. We'll use the Brick Mansion as our headquarters. But the five of you have done enough the past couple of days. Get some much-needed rest tomorrow and Friday. You're going to need to be ready for the tournament on Saturday.
4: Clay catches the five bracelets and walks to his friends. He gives them each one before they walk into the portal potty and close the door behind them. Larry and Perry sit with Floyd and the werewolf Friselda waiting for Leroy. After a couple minutes pass by, Larry stands up.
2: He is not coming. Leroy is never late like this. I knew something was going on when he left the lab and we couldn't find him.
4: Floyd looks at him, confused.
2: What are you talking about?
0: What happened?
4: Perry stands next to her brother. We walked in on Leroy, staring at that sledgehammer Clay Tretta turned into when he died. He didn't look like himself and was fixated on the fact that there wasn't any science that could explain something like that. Larry sits back down.
2: We tried to follow him, but when we got out of the lab, he was already gone. If he didn't have wings, we would
6: have caught up to him.
4: Friselda looks around before walking over and grabbing the sledgehammer.
6: I see. So this clay shredder is the same one that became one of our portal potties. That's interesting. What confuses me more than anything is that Leroy has always been devoted to science. Even when there's been mind-blowing discoveries or questions with no answers, he always kept going to find the science in it. What would have made him change his mind so suddenly?
4: Vlad walks into the science lab and stands in front of the four of them.
5: It wasn't a sudden change. Some of our recent discoveries have been making him question how science can explain everything. It can't, and he could not accept that. Yes, science has done a lot for our world and has acted as the magic that wants to disappear, but I'm afraid that we are on the cusp of it once again returning. The four of you are aware of the boring aftermath, correct?
4: They nod their heads while Vlad sits down next to them. He waves for Frizelda to bring the hammer over. She hands it to him.
6: If magic was to return... Another warring aftermath would occur.
4: Vlad grabs the sledgehammer and clenches it tightly in his hands.
6: Our world could no longer handle
5: magic. Everyone and everything would change just as it did after Fede. Leroy has truly gone to the other side.
4: Floyd stands and looks at everyone.
5: A war over bringing magic back is about to begin.
4: Vlad stands and drops the hammer on the table.
5: We must prepare for what's to come. you your head scientist now. The rest of you do as she says and get the others before Leroy
6: gets to them.
4: The four scientists bow to Vlad as he walks out of the science lab. Friselda looks around at them.
6: Floyd, get on the phone and call your brothers. Tell them to make their way back here while picking up anyone on their way. Larry, Barry, I'm counting on the two of you to be faster than Leroy this time. Get out there and assist the centaurs in bringing our scientists back to the lab. We can't afford for Leroy to convince any of them to change sides with him.
4: Floyd grabs his phone to call his brothers, while Larry and Perry sprint out of the lab. Leroy sits back with a drink in his hand, laughing with Malachi and Cassandra. She looks out to one of the cocktail waiters and waves for more drinks. Keep them coming. So Leroy, tell us why we should work with you. Leroy smiles while finishing the drink in his hand. He slams it on the table while looking into her eyes.
2: I have been working closely with Vlad for the past 20 years. Not only that, but I ran his science lab. I know everything about his research and tech. Not only can I give you all that information, but we can use me against him. I can combine my skills with yours and make even better technology than I could with him. We could basically turn our tech into various fragments of what magic was.
4: Malachi's eyes light up.
6: You better not just be saying that. We've been trying to bring magic back since the day it left. My father passed the torch down to me once he finally died. I'll do the same with my son when the day comes. Fortunately for me, I'm still young with the so-called fragments of technological magic we've been able to develop without you. Show me how you can improve that.
4: Leroy smirks while reaching into a bag attached to his side.
6: This is something I've been working on behind Vlad's back.
2: Ever since I saw what Clay Trader could do, I had to think differently. In doing so, I was able to make this serum, though. It has different effects depending on your body and blood. Malachi chuckles.
6: <laughs> this will be interesting to see how it works, then. My body and blood have been morphed by tech magic that you can't even recognize it anymore.
4: The waiter brings over more drinks while Cassandra looks at Malachi with concerns. Do you think it's a good idea to trust this harpy so quickly? Malachi continues to laugh.
6: Good ideas, bad ideas. At this point in my life, they're one and the same. Show me what you got, Birdman.
4: He passes the bottle of serum over to him.
2: Start by drinking a small amount and see what happens.
4: Malachi grabs the serum and takes a sip. A couple of seconds pass and his white hair regains its color and turns brown. Cassandra looks at him in amazement. Malachi, your wrinkles are disappearing. That serum is making you younger. Malachi passes the serum back to Leroy.
6: It's a good start. With the proper equipment and a couple of good lab partners? I don't see why we can't make this work.
4: He grabs his drink and lifts it into the air. The three clink them together before Cassandra laughs. After all these years, I'm finally going to get my revenge on Vladimir Von Von Von. Leroy puts his drink down and looks at her.
2: Speaking of, he never actually told me what happened with the two of
6: you.
4: Here to share? Malachi slams his fist onto the table.
6: That little shit had left Cassandra to die during the Battle of Wolfwood! The elves and werewolves were engaged in an all-out war for the forest. Vlad had made a deal with the elves to have the witches come in for support, but instead the deal was fake. Cassandra and the other witches showed up to be deceived by Vlad. He had the elves hold the witches hostage and used them as a way to end the war with the werewolves.
4: Leroy sits in disbelief.
6: Wait! He offered you up
2: as a way to end the war between the werewolves and the elves? And just expected that you would be okay with being a slave?
4: Cassandra takes a sip from her drink. Vlad is too ambitious for his own good. He thought he was doing right by the elves and the werewolves. He ended the war, but I was sent to live in Wolfwood Forest. The first couple of days were the toughest, but once I stopped resisting, the werewolves ended up being nice. They welcomed me into their home and we lived happily for a couple of years. One day, Malachi was passing through and ran out of oil for his staff to fly. He landed down in Wolfwood and found me with them. After a discussion of what I wanted, they let me go. I'm not sure why they accepted me to end the war in the first place. All we did was live our lives. Leroy sits back down and looks at the two of them.
2: Well, that could have ended a lot worse for you. I'm sorry that he did that. But if I learned anything from Vlad after working with him for so long, would be that he does everything for a reason. Even if it seems like it makes no sense. He's a lot smarter than everyone thinks he is.
4: Malachi laughs while grabbing his drink.
6: (laughs) That's good to know. I've been underestimating him for all these years. No longer will I make that mistake. Thank you for meeting with us, bird guy. I think I speak for both of us when I say I'm excited to be working with you.
4: Leroy grins while taking another sip from his drink. The three continue conversing as the dancers smoothly gyrate on the stages with lights flashing around them.
0: Well, damn. Our heroes got pretty trashed at Vlad's brick mansion. Hearing his story and why he's on his mission of uniting the races was fantastic.
4: Really trying to stretch that one there. It was pretty cool, though. It makes sense as to why he's such a sneaky penis now. Uh, that's, that's one way of putting it. I think what he's trying to do is good. He could probably go about it in a less mischievous way, though.
3: I disagree. Vlad's mischievousness makes for a bloody good
1: time. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Fucking vampires. What about Malachi, Leroy, and Cassandra? They're obviously the bad guys in this story. I don't know. Leroy was supposed
2: to believe in the good of science. This is bullshit. How could he betray us like this and work with
1: wizards?
4: I didn't realize you were so invested. But, like you, Leroy's a bitch, and gave in to the temptations Malachi and Cassandra offered.
1: Whoa, Tori. We already told you that you don't need to act like Callie in these intro-outro recordings. I'm excited to see what happens in the next episode. I've been wondering where Callie, Wesley, Herman, and Barry lived.
4: I'm honestly not sure there's much of a difference between Tori and Callie anymore, but let's not keep the people waiting any longer. Death Guy, you stuck around this time. Wanna take it away?
5: Yeah, sure. We again want to thank Anchor for giving us an easy and reliable place to make our podcast. They also distribute it to the various platforms that you listen to it in, which is good stuff. And lastly, remember to follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or just go to our website at www.deathshifter.com. You'll find the links there as well as down below in the episode description. If you're interested in supporting us and gaining access to exclusive content and trailers, bonus episodes, and more, check out patreon.com/deathshifter. Thanks for listening, and remember, don't,
6: don't forget, forget to, to never